0: Well, we welcome everyone this morning in the precious name of Jesus And as we come around the word this morning, let us pay attention In particular to what the Spirit of the Lord is going to speak to us And if we have open hearts and open minds, the Holy Spirit will speak Father we want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you for our time with you every Sunday and this precious time around your word. We need illumination, we need revelation. We need faith to activate what you speak to us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, release it. In a powerful way to our spirits that we might know who we are. And we thank you, Father God, for your presence in this place this morning. Dispelling all the powers of darkness, all the sorrows and the woes and the heaviness and the depression. And the oppression we bind it all up and we cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ and we release to ourselves by your hand the spirits of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus we ask this humbly and we ask in Jesus name and we receive it too in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Amen. the creative and prophetic purposes of God is to make us with a purpose. The creative and prophetic purposes of God is to make us with a purpose. Many of us need to understand that in these last days and I believe that much of the church doesn't understand it and so they are floundering. Like fish out of water and don't know what direction to take in life. Come with me to the book of Isaiah 49 and we're going to look at verse 2. When you have time, please read the whole chapter of Isaiah 49. It's a wonderful passage, a great assurance. Let us read 1 and 2, Isaiah 49, 1 and 2. Listen, O idols, unto me, and hearken, ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother had he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. And made me a polished shaft. In his quiver and he hit me." The polished shaft is an arrow. The writer of this book is explaining how Jesus was created or made for the purposes of God. Now we know that Jesus is not created but We know that He is made, given birth to by God, you too, and me too, in the same manner. So when God creates, He creates with intention, with a purpose, He's just not willy-nilly creating something. You're not uh, some hatched up plot of the devil or somebody else. You are designed and thought about carefully by God and He has given birth to you with a purpose and with clear intention of fulfilling His purpose through you and so the writer of Isaiah speaks to us about how Jesus was made and he uses certain weapons to describe
1: this person
0: that is coming at that time being prophetically spoken about and he's using the word weapons such as a sword and an arrow and he says you made me in this manner so if there's something made in a manner as in a weapon then there is a purpose for it Amen. Amen. So let's go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 16 and let's have a look at what the Word of God says about the soul. Revelation chapter 1 verse 16 and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And then in Revelation chapter two, verse 16, he says, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And then finally, let's have a look at Revelation 19, verse 15. And he says, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with the rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and rod of Almighty God. So the sword out of the mouth, what is that? I think it refers to the Word of God. Jesus being the Word of God and he is now going to do something with that word through his mouth that is going to change the circumstances and situations that we are prophetically going into according to the book of revelation and he says that he is going to fight with the nations who do not follow him i wonder what manner of fight that's going to be The Word of God has come to us with grace and with mercy, not with a fight. But there is coming a time when the Word of God will not come with mercy and grace, but it shall come out of the Alpha and the Omega as a sword to fight with the nations who are against God. He was made not only to save the world, or to go to the cross and die and and produce blessings but he's also purposed by God to be the final judge of how the world will end up if it does not bow down to his authority. Consider this when you yourself approach God through Christ Jesus that you humble yourself before God Because when His word comes in grace and mercy and it is not received, it shall come as a soul to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and to the joints and the marrows and discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart and it shall be so fearful that you will fall to your knees and repent or you will die. The choice will always remain yours because even in conviction many people do not receive the word even in conviction even when they are shaken to the core they will not receive the word so when that happens the sword of this of the Lord shall fight against that person and destroy that person so grace has a period a time period within which it works and then after that It is no longer grace it's no longer mercy and I know I have experienced this personally in my own life and it is a scary place that's why Paul says it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the Living God because his exacting of how he demands us to be is quite severe when it comes down to it and I mean, I can get into various scenarios of what may happen or may not happen and they're all relevant because they have happened to me in countless numbers. But what, it is, important, what is important today is to understand that the times that we are living in is culminating in a time when the world shall be coming forth with a sword to destroy. And we need to be prepared. Because the sword is going through the church right now. The body of Christ. And it is separating. It is dividing and it is uh, making clear on which side of the line we stand. Some of us may uh, be good worshippers coming to the church. We may love the Lord. We may do all the things that God is asking us to do. But we have not yet come to that place where our hearts have been made bare so that the Lord can look at it and say, Yea, it is a good thing that I am looking at. You cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord, it is not possible. Now let us go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 13. And we're going to look at the polished shaft, the arrow that God has in his quiver. It's an interesting thing that amongst all the other arrows that he has in the quiver, it is this one that is the polished shaft. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 13, 15 to 19. And the rest of the acts of Shalom and the 10th um, Okay, and Elisha said unto him, take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot and he shot, and he said the arrow of the lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from syria for thou shalt smite the syrians in ebay till thou have consumed them and he said take the arrows and he took them and he said unto the king of israel smite upon the ground and he smote thrice and stayed and the king of god the man of god was wrought with him and said thou shouldst have smitten five or six times Then hadst thou smitten Syria, till thou hadst consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria, but thrice. Here is a scenario for the king of Israel who is facing a situation with Syria and he goes to the man of God for advice and counsel on what to do because he knows he is up against a greater army than himself. And the man of God, Elisha, the prophet of the nation, tells him what to do. But while he tells him what to do, he also encourages him by placing his hand upon the king's hand to give him that anointing, that assurance, that when he releases the arrow, it shall pierce the darkness over Israel. And destroy the enemy. That means what it would do is give you an open heaven. Amen? Your prayers, look, we are praying every Monday and we are praying on Wednesdays. But when I listen to your prayers, some of your prayers, some of you, you don't follow a pattern of prayer. You should know how to break into the atmosphere and open the atmosphere up so that the prayers that follow after that can go through the atmosphere. And until and unless we learn warfare through prayer and how to pray, we will not know how to change the atmosphere around us. Whether it be at work, whether it be at home, whether it be in the church, in the southwest corridor, in the world. It is important for you and I to understand this because God allows us the uh, gives us the assurance of deliverance but it is then up to us to ensure that that deliverance happens and stays it's not up to the Lord when I go traveling around the world and preaching the gospel I don't know most of the times what church I'm going into. I don't know what enemy I'm going to face there. I don't know how strong the enemy is. But various things can happen and do happen. But I don't pay heed to them in the sense that I get disturbed by it. But I go in the word of God, in the prophetic word of God, that God has opened a door for me in this particular church. And then I go in there and I change the atmosphere. That's what I do first, through prayer. I don't care who it is, no matter how anointed the church is, no matter how anointed the people of the church are, it is irrelevant. What is relevant is that now I am the authority, not them. God is sending me, the prophets, into that situation so it's up to me to change the atmosphere it's not up to them. They are sitting there expecting something to happen because the prophet has walked into town. So when I go there I already change the atmosphere and when I go into the church I find certain things and I change the atmosphere again once I'm physically there. Then after that I pursue the attack against the enemy through the Word of God, using the sword as the Spirit. Sorry, the, sword of the the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit to destroy the enemies that are there in that church. So I follow a pattern. I, 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 I do certain things to make sure that there is one arrow going after another arrow, after another arrow, after another arrow, till the job is done. So I don't leave till it is done. Even if they say, Come, let's go have lunch, I say, No, the job's not done. I'm not leaving. When you have a situation of a person manifesting a demon, you don't leave them and walk away and say, Oh, maybe the demon will leave. No. You complete the job, and if you cannot complete the job because you're tired, give it to somebody else. It's not up to you. You should know when to hand over. I had to learn that lesson the hard way, and I had to swallow my pride because I thought it was up to me. But when I learned that, no, we work as a team, we don't work. You know individually you see the hand of the prophet on the hand of the king of Israel was teamwork it was not the king was alone he didn't know what to do till the prophets hand came upon him then he knew what to do then he had assurance that he was going to get destroy Syria or at least beat it in battle but the, the prophet was angry with the king because he had not followed the proper way of doing warfare in order to destroy your enemy. You do not allow him to exist. You chop his head off. When you separate the head from the body, that's when you have won the victory. What do you think the devil is trying to do? He's trying to separate Jesus from the body, the church. Why? Because he wants to destroy both. See, when you do not keep Christ first in your home, When you do not keep Christ first in your business, you do not keep Christ first in your church, your head is gone, it's damaged, it's destroyed. Nothing else matters. You may think something else matters, but nothing else matters. It is giving honor to the head 100% first. It's then that you will defeat your enemy. You will face a lot of problems in doing that, no doubt. Let us have a look at why the weapons are made in this manner. That we as God's weapons are made like this. Let's look at Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 verse 20 and 21. This is talking about Pharaoh of the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian Pharaoh who had to let God's people go. And Paul is talking about it. And then 19 he says, Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he find fault talking about God? Or who hath resisted God's will or his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me in this way, or thus? Some people go and look at themselves in the mirror and wonder, Why am I looking like this? You're looking like that because God made you like that. But what you see is the flesh, you do not see the spirit. And it's so important that in every day's walk, in every moment's walk, you do not see the flesh, but you see the spirit. The spirit man that you are. Say, God, why did you make me like this? I have an arm missing, a leg missing, an eye missing. No, God does not have anything missing. In the spirit you are perfect in every way that God wanted you made so the spirit man is perfect the flesh man is not but the spirit man is perfect it is the spirit man that does warfare it is the spirit man that changes the atmosphere it's the spirit man that speaks not the flesh man if you allow the flesh to speak he will always put you down even your own flesh will speak against you and put you down and then you will say, God why hast thou made me in this way and God says, I didn't make you in this way, anyway who are you to question me, so somebody in the poor man sitting in a hut in India, you know and he's crying out to God, he said I don't have any food to eat, he can say, oh God why did you make me like this, or he can get up and he said, God did not make me like this. I will not, I will refuse to accept my situation and my circumstance, and I will accept what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me, and I will become what God has made me to be. That is what we need to do. When we understand why we have been made a certain way, It is then that we will understand words. See, if a sword is made and it's sitting there by itself, it has no power to question the one who picks it up and uses it. Or, why do you use me this way? No, it's up to the person who picks up the sword and uses it. The sword cannot speak to the person who is using the sword and say, don't use me this way. The God who picks you up as a sword or as a Polish shaft knows exactly when to use you, where to use you and why to use you. You go into a church and, you know, you're the prophet that has just walked walked into the church and God says, the pastor of the church is in sin. I want you to rebuke him. What are you going to do? Are you going to say no? Obviously, you're going to say no. I can't do that. Because you're thinking, They'll throw me out. They'll tar me and put me on a pole and chase me on a town. Or they'll do something else to me and they'll never call me back. My reputation is gone. I'm nobody and nothing. You know what the prophet said to the king in the Old Testament? He said, I'm not a prophet. I'm a shepherd. But God's word is coming to me and I have spoken. The king said, oh, you know, you're talking nonsense. And he said that the shepherd prophet said to the king, your wife will become a prostitute and you will go into captivity and your children will be killed. That's the spirit of the Lord speaking, not a man. Guess what happened? The king went into captivity, his wife became a prostitute and his family were killed. We have a power. That's why we need to be careful about what we speak, don't curse. Because too often the devil will take the curse, it's not God taking the curse, but it's the devil taking the curse that comes out of your mouth and saying, aha, I now have a legal right to use that against the person you have spoken against. So it's important to understand why you have been made, that you have to understand purpose. And then you'll say, okay, there is a purpose for God making me in this manner. And there's a purpose for me to be on this earth at this time for a reason. See, I purpose to serve God. I purpose to worship God. I purpose to honor Him. I purpose to do the things He called me to do. I purpose it myself. Because that purpose has been put in me. So now I take hold of that purpose and I say, this is the purpose I'm here for. Not not to run a business, not to do a job, but to serve God's people. That's my purpose. To honor God, number one, to serve God's people. So many do not understand this as to why they were even made People like Gideon didn't understand it till the angel came and spoke to him. And then he goofed after he fulfilled his purpose and made Israel go whoring after other gods. And then Esau got a mantle, got the birthright, and he threw it away. Didn't understand his purpose. So somebody else spit it up. And said, thank you very much, I now got your purpose in life. And I'll become the father of nations as was promised to Abraham. We must understand why God has made us. Samson was given his purpose. He knew it. He understood it. He squandered it because of his fleshly lusts. You see, in today's church, the potential is great. It's unbelievable talent and gifts in the body of Christ. But they're wasting it. They're going after things that are not of God. They're going after fleshly lusts. So the reality of the power of God is not working. And there is limited understanding. Of who the church is and who what it is that the church should be doing so we are, we are lost in many ways in many many places who don't understand why you are in existence you know you say things like the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church what does it mean it means warfare it means you're going to be in a situation where you're going to face warfare I often go and ask people in churches around the world where I go and say, who are you, where did you come from, and where are you going? And they, they stare at me. They don't understand. They think that somehow there's some earthly purpose to their existence. That has got nothing to do with the kingdom of God, but it has to do with their blessings and the abundance of God's blessings in a natural life. It is not the abundance of blessings in a natural life that God has blessed you with. It is an abundance of spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus that are placed for you in heavenly places. We've got to understand there's another realm in the spirit that the blessings are completely different to the blessings of earth. And yet we have squandered what God has given us. Because we have not understood purpose. We have not understood why we have to come to church and pray. Why we have to worship the Lord? Why we have to do this or do that? We have not understood purpose. We think, oh, it's a task. It's a difficult thing to be here in church. You know, I can't sacrifice. I've got to do something earthly. You have forgotten who you are and why God made you. So you cannot be here. My friends, I'm telling you, we are in a time when God is going to come and fight with us. It's already begun. And I know that around the world, prophets are shaking in their boots because of what they have said that has not come to pass. Be careful. Be, Be very, very careful. God is not to be mocked. Where did you come from? Who are you and where are you going? Ask yourself these questions constantly and continuously. I ask myself that: are you in the right place? Are you in the the right place at the right time and where are you going? Where did you come from? I have to remind myself where I came from because I've got to look back into the past and I have to see for what it is and I say, God, you have delivered me from that but when i go beyond that and i go back to before i was born i see purpose i see purpose that's what was fighting to come forth in the world and that's what the devil was trying to abort and he's been doing it to a lot of you here he's been aborting you He's been deviating you. He's been sending stuff to take your eyes off what God has purposed in your life So that you focus on the miseries and the sorrows of a natural life But not on the joys and the beauty of holiness and of the wonderful world of righteousness For therein lies all the blessings of God That are honorable and acceptable in His sight I'm afraid some of us or just happy doing what we're doing. Ah, oh, don't worry about it, bro. I got it in the bag. I'm saying I'm going to heaven. That's all that matters. That's a big question: whether you are faith without works is dead. Show me your faith by your works, and I'll say you have faith. Because that's what's going to be challenged in these last days: your faith and it being challenged already some of us are just happy doing what we are doing you see if you were made a pastor or a minister of some description a worshipper it is for a purpose so my question then would be to you, where are you in that purpose? as a pastor That's my job, is to see where my disciples are in the purposes of God that have been laid upon them. First of all, I have to recognize the purposes of God that have been laid upon them. And when I see that, I say, where are you in that purpose? But the trouble is, the pastor cannot speak to the flock these days about such things. It is taken as an offense. It is taken as an intrusion into your private life. How dare you ask me such a question? I know who I am, do you? I know where I am going, and why do you weep and sorrow every time when you, you are finding yourself in some difficulty? You see, we have to stop and check, get a reality check. Where are you in that purpose? And then the next question is, are you fulfilling that purpose? God has revealed it to the pastor of the church. He's asking you, where are you in that purpose? Are you fulfilling that purpose? He gives you a task to do, but then you don't turn up for the task. You don't do the task, or you shod—you do a shanky job on the, on, the, on the task that is being given. And then you get upset when the pastor says, hey, you're not fulfilling your purpose, you're not doing it well enough. You're not up to the mark of where you're supposed to be. The next question will be, how can you extend to the fullness of that purpose? You see, this word fullness has a lot to say. That word fullness is just an incredible uh, word in the Bible. It is both a process of being filled to fullness. And it is also a completion of something that is already full. So when the Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost, he's talking about a person overflowing, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. When does it flow? When you are full. It doesn't flow otherwise because the vessel is still receding, but when it gets full, it says Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost and he did miracle signs and wonders. When did he do miracle signs and wonders? When he was full of the Holy Ghost. So you and I must understand what is the fullness of the purpose for which God has called us because there is a process in getting to that completion of purpose. That process may not be a nice process because there's a hard yakka. Following Christ is a hard yakka on earth. Sometimes it seems very harsh that Christ would demand such things of us. See, we can be full in one area of our life, but lacking in another area of the life where we are still being filled, so what happens is to this person who is full in one area of life, his pride arises. Says, "Oh, I'm full. I'm I'm already full in this area. I, I'm an, I'm a pastor so you know I don't have to worry." And but God might have prepared an evangelist role for you as well. God might have prepared a prophetic role for you as well, an apostolic role for you as well. But because you are full in one role, you don't want to perform the other roles, or you think you don't need to perform the other roles. And yet God has it for you, not for everyone. So it is individually tailored. So that's why he's talking in Isaiah 49.2, he says, You have made me as a sword and as a polished sharp. This is very specific. You're going to be a mighty warrior. Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. They're like, oh, me, No, i no, you are. You're made now. All you gotta do is accept it, because the moment you accept it, the purpose falls on you. The moment the purpose falls on you, it is incumbent upon you to fulfill the purpose, fulfill into its fullness. Till the end, till death do you part. That is the demand of God. And certainly that's when hunger and thirst is created within you. Because you know your vessel is not full. And that's when you get on your knees and begin to cry out to God and say God can you fill me? Can you fill me? I'm desperate. It's when you become hungry and thirsty is when God can use you. It's only then that God can use you. You have to be hungry and thirsty, Church. You have to. There's no question about it. If you're not, you're going to starve. You're going to be thirsty. You are not going to eat well of the spiritual things. You will always be questioning God. You will always be asking Him this, that and the other. Instead of receiving what God has for you and for me. Let us go to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41 verse 15. Now oh, let's read 14. Fear not thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument. Having teeth, thou shalt thresh the mountains, and beat them small, and shalt make the hills as chaff. Huh. He's telling Israel, You are going to be so powerful that you will wipe out mountains of your problems by a sharp threshing instrument that you will become. You know, Willie the other day picked up the chainsaw and he chopped that tree down. You know, can you look at the chainsaw, it's got teeth. (laughs) Right? But when you look at the sword, it doesn't have teeth. It's a fine, sharp instrument that has the penetrating power to go through something whereas the sharp threshing tea has got something that it will make whatever it is attacking chaff, that is dust, sawdust, and the whirlwind will pick it up and send it out into never-never life the mountains that are standing before you I say to you this morning Use the teeth that God has given you and make it like chaff and send it out into never-never land. Because you are made. You say, "Ah, what are you talking about? I'm not a sharp threshing instrument. I've got nothing. No, 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 no. Hang on a second. He's talking about a particular part of your body. He's talking about a mouth that has teeth. So now you are going to speak like Jesus speaks the word of God and you are going to destroy your enemies by the word of God which is the sharp rushing instrument. <clears throat> when it works continuously on something, that thing is not going to stand. Of course, a mountain is going to take a little bit of time to break down to nothing. But what we do is we give up on our prayers. We give up on sending the arrows, 5, 6, 15 arrows. You know, he the Elisha sh- shouted at the king and said, you should have 5 or 6 times at least picked the arrow from the ground. Then you would have completely destroyed the enemy. Now that only hit it 3 times. Right? You can't just hit something 3 times. You know, it's as, that's as big as a mountain. You've got to hit it harder than that and longer than that. deliverance take place I was amazed at this man doing the deliverance and he's just you know he's not saying he's just holding on to the person and he's going on on and on takes about five seven minutes but he doesn't give up they want to run they run he said okay run but when they run he just says in the name of Jesus be arrested and they can to the ground and he keeps doing this for five to seven minutes and then he says, it's done. It's all good. You know, you look at the demon like he did, and you say, bye-bye. He has got to know who you are. trouble is, the church doesn't know who they are. That's why he's whacking the living daylights out of you. He's taking advantage of your weakness, and your faithlessness, and your inability to receive the word of God into your mouth. He says, Luke twenty-one fifteen, I've given your mouth, and I've put my words in it, that no man may gainsay you. Huh. You know, when I got a hold of that word, I said, wow! You mean to say, that no man may gainsay me? He said, yes, no man can gainsay you, because I've put my wisdom in your mouth. Guess what? Only you can see the thing happening. Because God gives you the spiritual wisdom. And the spiritual insight to see what He has done with your mouth. Your words are very, very important. The effectiveness of the words that you use are important. There's another weapon, your hand, the laying on of hands. See, We are called to be a church that is a mouthpiece for God. We are also called to be the deliverer of God's people. There are God's people out there who have not been delivered, but they are God's people. They are unsaved. God wants them saved. And they are all there. Maybe your wife, maybe your daughter, maybe your son. God wants them saved. What are we doing? We, are not, we have to fight. We have to fight for our families. We've got to fight for the things that belong to us. You know, there's a song called, I went into the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Based on this, on what King David did in Sinclair. He said he encouraged himself in the law. he had lost everything, family, material, everything. He said he encouraged himself in the law. People wanted to stone him. His own warriors wanted to stone and kill him. It says he encouraged himself in the world. And he said, No, I'm going to go back and get what the enemy stole. And he got everything back. You have to stand up for who you are in Christ Jesus. See, if we choose otherwise, we will find ourselves in strife. To forge a weapon. To make a weapon, it has to be beaten out of the material God chooses. And unfortunately, He chooses you and me. Okay, you are and I am the material that He chooses. And then He beats this material till it is shaped and formed to the exact weapon that He wants in His hand before He goes to war. That's why prayer That's why fasting, that's why spending time in the Word makes a difference in your warfare. God cannot use a weapon that is not formed and forged in the fires of affliction. It has to be refined in the fires of affliction. The trials of your faith will, will refine you will make you stronger than you are. You I'm going through this stuff. I really don't want to go through this. God, can you get me out of it? And he says, no. You've got to stay in it. So why? What's the purpose of staying in something that you can get me out of? Because you have to be forged in this fire. Why are we going through problems? Why are we blaming the devil for everything? Perhaps it is God who has got a hold of you and is is working his work in you. I know it happened to me. And after he dealt with me in the spiritual sense, supernatural sense, through visions, he said this to me. He said, now you will come to know who I am. Now, this is after a few years of being a Christian. Because I got arrogant with God, and I started getting arrogant with Him, and He said, Okay, now I'm going to show you, and He did. And then He said, Now you will know who I am. And for the next five to seven years of my life, I'd easily say seven years of my life, it was like someone was feeling inch after inch of skin off my back and my body. Without dying. Without getting relief. Everything I touched went to dust, went to darkness, went to problems. And I said, God, what are you doing? He said, I'm forging you. I gotta get rid of that pride in you. Otherwise you're not a good weapon. I can't use you because I have purposed that you should be a warrior for me. And I know who I am, I know where I came from, and I know where I am going. But it's not just a grand picture that I have. It's a day-to-day seeking the Lord. It's a day-to-day understanding His will and purpose for my life. So that I fulfill that on a daily basis. Because even if you make a mistake on a daily basis, you go back a few steps. When you should have been going forward, you go back. Sometimes some people go back to the very start and they never rise up again. They never do. Many, like Esau, have lost their mantle because they threw it away. I said many are just sitting around doing nothing. They're talking 19 to the dozen. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we need revival in this place. You know, God sent us revival and blah, 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 and da, da, da. And they're doing nothing about it. As a physical act to your faith. And that's going to be tested. And oftentimes it's tested multiple times. But it only starts to work when you become flexible in the hand of God. But God can ply that potter's clay when He can bend it, He can shape it. Ask well wow, what it takes to bend and shape a potter's clay. It's, it has to be pliable. That's be usable. But if you start putting your chest out and say, no, I don't need you, right? I can do this on my own. I said to somebody here, don't do it on your own, you'll never make it. That's I always say teamwork. Teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. Confess your faults one to another and let the prayer of faith, you know, heal you. That's why we have counselors. That's why we have people wanting to help you and serve you and and bring you to a place. Be pliable, be flexible. And then when it is ready for the master's use, it will submit to his hand to do his thing. You know, when God told Elijah, go and challenge Israel on Mount Carmel. Do you think Elijah was saying, yeah, yeah, this is my chance to show the world. You know, no, I, He was really, really worried. He said that, and he, he made clear to Israel and to the king. He said, I've come here on the Lord's word. If you are assured that God has spoken to you and told you what to do, then you go on the word that he has told you. Because nothing else is going to hold ground. Nothing else is going to s- you know, work in that place where you go. Nothing. There was a pastor who went into a village to start a church in that village and, and in India and, and he wasn't getting anybody to the church. So he asked the Lord what to do and the Lord said, Go into the Hindu temple that is their local temple. Follow their rituals till you come to the inner sanctum. Touch their object of worship once with your hand and walk. So he told his assistant who was with him, he said, just keep in love, don't do anything, don't touch anything, just follow me. And this man was a Hindu before, so he knew what to do. And he walked through the whole temple, and he got to the inner sanctum, he saw the object of worship, he touched it once and he walked off. Next week, his church was full. Hmm. We have to hear. We have to obey. And we have to do, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it's hard, yeah, years and years of sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing, nothing happens. And you walk away, and the next guy who comes along to that place has a revival. I hang on a second, I've been the sowing. Somebody else, yeah, that's why you did the sowing, mate. That's why you were the sower. Mm-hmm. God made you the sower, not the reaper. See, we, we, want, we want the whole bit. We want the sowing, the reaping, the harvest, the granary. You know, we want the whole bit. We want big churches with 50,000 people in it. Believe me, 50 is enough. <laughs> 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 we have to understand the wildernesses of our lives. It is the learning period to become pliable in the hands of God. To make you a true weapon in his hand. True love is born out of humility and obedience. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But God did not just make a statement that I love the world. No, he followed it through with humility and obedience. He came down from heaven. Let's go to John 13. John 13, verses 13 to 16. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, you have washed your feet if i then your lord and master have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for i have given you an example that you should do so as i have done to you i very very i say unto you the servant is not greater than his lord neither he that is sent greater than he that had sent him i was sent to long reach to be a pastor of a church that was in serious trouble and the ruling principality of that church was the Jezebel spirit. And she was making herself known. She had destroyed the church after 14 years of building a town that's got 4,800 people. Having a church of about 40 to 50 people is like having tens of thousands in your church. And she came in and she destroyed that church. So they said to me, go. Can you help us out? This is the Assemblies of God. I said, I'm not a pastor. They said, please, we need help. We need go. I said to the Lord, what do I do? Because I'm no match for this. And he said, go and wash their feet. So the first Sunday I went there, I took a bucket of water, and I washed everybody's. And I said, you don't have to come if you don't want to come. But I said, I know who I am. You see, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples because he knew who he was. The Bible says he knew who he was when he took his clothes off and put on the towel and washed the disciples' feet. The master becoming a servant because he is master. Not because he is a servant. Because a servant will only want to become a master. But the master wants to become the servant to become the master. Somebody, you're just all full of hot air. Let me tell you that. And I'm sick and tired of hot air. People talking nineteen to the dozen, but not doing anything. Let's have a look at Isaiah forty nine and verse seven. Isaiah 49, verse 7. Thus said the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to whom, to him, whom man despised, talking about Jesus, to him whom the nation abhorred, to a servant of rulers. Okay, here's the king coming now, he's becoming a servant of rulers. Then he says, King shall see and arise. You know something about kings? They never arise for anybody. They only arise for kings. They don't arise for anybody. So they're sitting on the throne, they don't get up and say, Welcome. But this servant of rulers, Jesus, the kings are going to arise. And princes shall also worship because the Lord, because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. to work in your life, you're never going to see, you know, anything other than absolute presence and power that stays with you, irrespective of how people treat you. That's why you can be a servant of the rulers. You can walk into kings palaces, into governments, and serve them, and you will be the head of them. And it is because of the righteousness of the church that is upon the nation, that the nation exists. It's not because of its produce, or its uh, great wealth, or anything else. It's because of the righteousness. I once gave a prophetic word to a pastor in a very difficult city. I won't get into it because we are running out of time. But, you know, that word spoke about I'm not sending you into the city for your righteousness I'm sending you in because of their wickedness. Why are we here? We are not here because of our righteousness. We are here because of the sin in the city and we are to show the righteousness of God by our actions. We are the servants of to rule us in this place we will serve once we know that it is about Christ in us the Christ in us is that mouth of the sword is the shaft in the quiver Christ in us is the whole reason for our existence not our gifts and talents and abilities that even God gives us but humility and obedience will make you a ruler So when Jesus went to the cross, according to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, it says that he was glorified above everybody else. And he says he humbled himself and became obedient to the cross. We need to come to that place where we show cause for what God has given us. If you have no backing to your faith, trust me, you will be questioned in heaven. You may not be questioned on earth, but you will be questioned in heaven. Don't throw away what God has given you. Show cause for it. Don't let it sit dormant or abuse it, because it can leave you, like the Holy Spirit left Sansar. It can leave you. Or it can be taken from you. God took it from Esau and gave it to someone else. (laughs) Or the devil will come along and steal it like he stole what he did from Judas. Which he wanted to do to Peter, but Jesus prayed for Peter. And I think that's why Judas was chosen. God is calling us in the last days to submit to his will. And say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. In whatever way you choose to use me, use me. I understand the afflictions I'm going through and the problems I'm facing. I don't want to be a person who is not producing anything. I want to be a person who produces something for your kingdom and to glorify your name. He is the Lord. He is the King. He is the Master of the Universe. He is the Creator of all things he made you he's also able to save you but learn the ways of the Lord. amen the arrow of deliverance is in your hand and god's hand is upon your hand change the circumstances let's pray maybe this morning you need prayer If you do, please come forward, we want to pray for you. Whatever the situation may be. But maybe you're at a turning point, you're in a crossroad, and you need God to show you the way. We want to pray for you. Yesterday, my cousin preached to the men's breakfast. He gave a wonderful word, and he said three things about three men in the Bible. And he said the first one was Moses. He came with compassion. The second one was Caleb. He came with conviction. The third one was Simeon in the the temple waiting to see the baby Jesus. And he said he came in the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing. He came in the Holy Spirit. That's what God is looking for a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you need prayer this morning, come. We want to pray for you and we want God to bless you.